So really, really, really warm welcome to the online Dharma Hall. And I hope that, yeah, you're arriving here feeling supported and refreshed by um, being able to step into this space. And I can say for myself, it's really, really an honor and a, and a joy to be here again. Um, I find myself saying this uh, quite a bit when I come in uh, to the online Dharma Hall. It feels, it feels like I've been away for a while. Um, I'm not sure if that's a, <laughs> that's a realistic... I don't really trust my own memory. I'm not sure if that's realistic or not, but either way, I think the important thing is it feels really lovely to be here and uh, have the chance to, to connect with, with you being here. So just a reminder of a few things that I find um, helpful. Uh, really feel invited to use the chat uh, through the session, uh, particularly if at any point you find it difficult to understand uh, what I'm saying or hear me or, or see me or anything along those lines. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can deal with any kind of technical things as they, as they crop up. Um, the second thing uh, that I think is quite important to say is really feel free to use the chat to also in, introduce yourself in any way. Uh, that might be, you know, saying hello from where you are. Um, it might be anything you want to mention about how it is where you are. You know, it's cold, it's warm, it's hot, it's pleasant, it's um, undemocratic. <laughs> Whatever you, you feel would be relevant to, uh, to put into the space, it's really, really, really welcome. Yeah, thank you for those who are, who are putting those putting those words uh, in there for us. Um, and whether we feel like you know we're we're nearby to those who are saying hello, or we feel yeah, how far apart we are, and you know having voices from America and Scandinavia and Ireland and. UK and it actually just gives that sense of, of community and our shared um, our shared intention across quite a lot of different um, different cities and countries and towns and all of that and for anyone for whom it's you know relatively new time arriving really really welcome and for those who feel like yeah I've been here a lot and um, you know quite familiar to this space and I was explaining to some friends recently that yeah we we've been doing this a long time this uh, this online Dharma Hall and really at the very beginnings of, of COVID you know coming into place and uh, and still going Still going, still finding it useful, finding it useful and helpful for myself and and others to to have this space to enjoy. So thank you for being here, for making this possible for for us now and for others in the future by your very presence and keeping this going, keeping this flowing. Um, the next thing I like to mention at this point is if you don't want to have your video on, that's completely fine. You know, uh, anyone who is happy and comfortable having their video on, that's really helpful because, um, you know, it is actually helpful to be able to look at a, a, a face, a, a living being and uh, feel that connection. But I want you to be comfortable primarily. Yeah. So 
um, yeah, really, really welcome there. Um, yeah, it's just a slight question about who is the host, I see in the chat there. No, I think I am the host, but it can look like other people are the host, maybe. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if someone else wants to be the host, that's also fine with me. Uh, sounds a bit soft. Okay. I'll, uh, is that louder? Yeah, let's bring the mic up a little bit. Okay, and also what I'm going to do is unplug my computer. That can can occasionally be a buzz from the from the computer as these things unfold. Um, so, did we get as far as hiding yourself? You, I maybe got a little bit bumbled up, but that's what I was going to say. Um, that can be the other side of this. Is you know, it can be funny uh, in a way that we have this um, image of ourselves looking back at ourselves, and luckily. Zoom was designed with that feature where you can click the three dots next to our picture if you're on a computer and hide it that way. If you're on a tablet and things, it's a few more clicks around, but you can have a little click around in the settings and hide your hide yourself view. And that can be something of a relief as, uh, as those who've been doing these Dharma practices for a while and trying to escape from that self-view that seems to be projected onto every experience that we have. Um, yeah, we've joked before, if only it were that simple. The the next thing that I would um, invite, and I think it's not just um, another way of building our Sangha, but it's wonderful that it does also do this, is actually just to take a moment as we begin a session. Um, it's actually a question we can ask ourselves when we wake up in the morning, when we enter a building, when we start to engage in a conversation is what is it I want to offer to myself, to the world, to this place, this relationship? What is it I want to see more of? And we just clarify those intentions for ourselves. Dream big, dream small, dream sideways, whatever feels right. What would you like to see more of? And if you would like to, we can harvest some of those, share some of those, um, sow them into the into the chat. Um, what would you like to see more of? It could be a specific, and if it's too personal, don't you don't have to share it. Yeah? And if it feels uncomfortable or you don't feel like you want to project it, just hold it in your heart. It's kind of really helpful as a as a practice form. into the chat if they if they want to come um, I will just mention there's a few people who are unmuted your videos often you're unmuted it's really fine with me to be that way um, but you may not know it so if you thought that you were muted just so you know some of your sounds coming through um, but as I say that really is fine with me I like I like being able to hear you so yeah we have equanimity equanimity 
And uh, what I would invite is when we hear another person's intention, you know, that they're really thinking about that that's the quality that they want to see more of. Like, hmm, I like to kind of, hmm, yes, equanimity. And interestingly, in that moment, when we say that word, can we remember more or less what does that mean for us? You know, that flexibility, that fluidity, that spaciousness, that allowing, you know, that's there in that word, or pointed towards in that word. Equanimity. Softness and stillness. Those more kind of everyday words, softness. Uh, For me, I feel like, oh, my shoulders come down. Just a few millimeters in my belly learns its, its softness again. Let's pick pick a few more, you know, it it takes time. I said this before in this session is like we could just sit here and throw a word into the space and then just turn it around, you know, like great musicians or poets or whatever just keep turning around this word appreciation appreciation what a rich word is there something I can appreciate now so that kind of sense that these are big Ideals, big dreams, but also they begin now, don't they? That beginning now. Calming the pace. Calming the pace. My feeling is slowing it down a bit. I'm letting go. So there's much there, and as I said, you know, we could, I, could, I mean, I could, and but I don't know if that would be exactly what everybody wants, you know, but I could quite happily just kind of go through this and just name those things, and for myself, you know, tune into them, feel into them, feel into that care that's in the space, you know, and care that's in the sharing of this, and the care that's in any moment of practice where we really attune But I'd like you to invite what it is that's meaningful for you, what's valuable for you, what's precious that you'd love to see more of, and bring that with us into a practice. And just a little reminder, you know, there's at least four postures available for us for practice, sitting, walking, standing, reclining. What's the right one for that particular value that you want? what really supports that and we'll take half an hour of practice together Um, and I want to drop in a few suggestions through it um, primarily around the idea of noticing and bringing into the foreground the inconstancy of things whatever we're paying attention to sounds breath sensations whatever's going to be your kind of holding this posture itself yeah sometimes it's actually flowing 
it's actually dynamic, actually much richer than we might initially think. And we're just going to kind of drop that in occasionally. Okay. But beginning in this moment, finding your way into this into this body, finding your way into this moment, finding your way into what's here, what's now. Letting go of what we don't need to hold on to. Letting in what we can open to and allow to be here. one-time thing, this letting go again and again of what we don't need to be holding on to. Allowing that softening and letting in and coming alive. Letting the awareness and the attention brighten and enliven the whole body space, the whole awareness space. Maybe the area of your existence that feels most supportive to be with might be the breath. And if it is the breath, guiding the attention to the place where it's most obvious. Maybe its movement is most obvious, its temperature is most obvious. Or if everywhere feels obvious, maybe picking somewhere that we can really enjoy noticing it, really enjoy noticing the movement, the flow of the breath. And if the breath doesn't feel like the right place, tuning into the sounds. Maybe the wide, wide kind of field of sounds is the supportive environment for us. And if so, do that. I'm going to leave you to practice in your own way, but I might suggest is maybe see if you can be with three breaths all the way through and then relax a bit and three breaths again once in a while. That way make a bit of effort and then lean back and enjoy. Same thing with sounds. Listen to the sounds for about three breaths and then just let them 
be received. Notice the difference in those ways of attending. So we can inquire, is this a time for a bit more effort, a bit more presence? Can we go for that really, invite, extend, expand the attention, the delicacy of the attention? Three breaths or so, real presence.
few more breaths in that relaxed mode that isn't uh, a disconnection has that lightness of presence surfing from that effort into an easeful presence almost not an effort And we just move through these phases. Really make an effort, try and sustain the attention, support the delicacy, the subtlety of that attention. It's not a pushing, it's an interest. It's a riding the breath, riding the sounds, whatever dimension we're in. And there's an opening, an easing, non-controlling. So whatever comes, comes. There's that delicate lightness, aware that I'm aware. Not so much picking and choosing what I'm aware of. The mind goes away from the breath in those times. It can be okay.
whatever you notice now, and it really doesn't matter what it is that you notice now. So don't rush off back to your meditation object. Just whatever you notice now, notice it. Become familiar with it. Trying not to reject it, trying not to grapple with it. But as you notice it, whatever it appears to be, and it probably appears to be a thing in some way, how is it to notice that it's actually dynamic? Maybe it's vibrating, maybe it's pulsing, maybe it's shape-shifting. This is not constant. Supporting, maybe it takes that effort and energy of attention that we're applying, staying with it. It's changing, we're interested, it's changing. And the component parts of this thing, maybe we drop down to that level, it's like, oh yeah, underneath this whatever sensation in the body, underneath that label of sensation, there's this pulsing, vibrating, even that is dynamic. Anythingness within that. Staying with this, if it feels helpful, or you feel like there might be something more to keep exploring, penetrating insight at times. At others, it's okay, that's enough. Let's come back, breath or sounds, here and now. Playing with the effort levels if we're enjoying that. There's more there, keeping going with this way of looking at, ah, it's even constant. The thing is a dynamic, a wave, not a constant. Just gently have that in the background as we breathe a dynamic wave of breath. Or we need a dynamic wave of sound.
whatever is catching our attention how is it when we notice that it's dynamic And one of the things that might be catching your attention is the noise from my neighbors downstairs, TV playing. And it could be catching your attention is the activity of your heart and mind. What happens to us when we see that things are flowing dynamically through consciousness.
last few minutes of the practice. Just checking if any rigidity is built up in the body space. This body that's just really a flow through of sensations. Each within themselves are dynamic waves, appearances. We're just here for a moment to be met and released. All these sounds are much like everything that appears is here for a moment, but even in that moment is part of its own wave of appearance, dynamic and unfolding. Even the moods, the emotions, mind states, thoughts and feelings. all so dynamic, what can I allow more of just to appear in that way and be released? Even this sense of oneself here practicing, isn't that too really just a flowing through a dynamic? And yet one more dynamic to ride is this changing from one form to another as we transition 
and there's more formal meditation into the the rest of the session taking your time as we move along this that we can sustain that quality of attention sustain that awareness of the meaningfulnesses that we practice for intentions we named can they come alive in the way that we move from one space to another body a bit more than it was, moving the breath a bit more. A little stretch, opening the eyes, all of that. And taking your time. Thank you for for doing this practice and let's have a program on my computer that can maybe eliminate uh, television noise from neighbours. That's not exactly what the app is called, but if I can just make some adjustments um, and I will every so often say, do you still hear me? And do you hear that? So firstly, can people hear that noise kind of echoing up? Is Is it audible to anyone? Yeah, okay. So, make some adjustments. So firstly, can you still continue to hear me at that point? Yeah. And it's under here. Okay, this is looking a bit more interesting. Do you hear the audio of the people in any way? Is that changing at all? It's not changed yet. Um, Let me just have a look if it's here. And I uh, enable this. Did that make any difference? No, not yet. Um, Okay, well, we gave it a go. (laughs) Maybe I can figure out a bit more about this at some point. Um, Well, not to worry. I'm just seeing these kind of flashy things on my screen that suggest that there are sounds moving through. Well, we can uh, we can tolerate everything in this world eventually, and may all beings be happy, whatever they are doing with their time and attention. Oh, for someone may have disappeared. That's interesting. Okay, so maybe we clicked the right buttons. May it be so. Maybe when I'm talking you don't hear them as much. That can also be something. Uh, So yeah, thanks for working with it and being with it uh, in your own practice. So I just want to um, say a few words about dana and that importance of a principle. And then I'd like to share a little bit about um, noticing that things are inconstant. And what's all that about? Um, Why does that often come up as being a very central part of the teachings? Or you you might know it more as saying that things are impermanent. And why might someone say inconstant instead of impermanent? And all of that kind of, uh, all those kinds of things might be um, might be helpful, might be relevant, might be something we want to bring more into our practice. 
So I first you want to note, it, note that, you know, these sessions have been going a long time and they've been wonderfully um, supportive for so many people that they are available and freely offered. And, you know, I just want to take a moment just to really acknowledge that Gaia House um, decided to run these freely on Dana. And, you know, that was at a time where there was a lot of uncertainty because of, you know, the pandemic and all of that. And now continuing to offer these teachings on Dana, uh, this space on Dana, you know, having its Zoom room and the admin that goes into advertising and proposing and, and presenting these, all still being on Dana. And I think Gaia House is um, obviously aware that we're going through a financial crisis, you know, and itself is impacted by that financial crisis. There's a retreat happening now with much lower numbers than they're used to having. And, you know, that kind of impact is flowing through and, and really starting to appear. And what's been really beautiful to hear from inside Guy House, the organization, the structure, the staff, the volunteers, the teachers, is a real priority to make Guy House still as accessible as possible. And this is one of those expressions of it. But also, you know, the financial assistance and bursaries fund, which gives support for people with lower incomes and more challenging means, you know, a way that they can still access these Dharma teachings. And, you know, I must admit, I'm always a little bit concerned that when times get difficult, we forget about those who really um, need our help the most. And it's a very core principle for me as I you know, came into this Dharma world from a kind of social activism type of background that I, I, I want anything that's good to be available to those who can't normally afford it. And, you know, I'm really thankful for the opportunities that Guy House gives to me to be able to present what I understand from these teachings. But also I'm really moved by how dedicated I'm finding Guy House to be to reach out and... Uh, be accessible, be a place of refuge, be a meaningful expression of what these teachings are about. And I just wanted to share with you that that's, that's my read on it. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I do have a good finger on that pulse. And, um, you know, may this be some good news in, you know, may some light in the darker times that we're living through. And if you ever want to be able to come on retreat at Guy House, and you feel like you can't afford it, or you know that there are some people who you feel would really benefit from it, but you know that they can't afford it. I know it's not a lovely experience to ask for financial assistance, but I just want you to know it's there. And I also want you to know that when you go to the Guy House website and offer support to Guy House in general, or specifically at this time, you can offer it to the Financial Assistance and Bursaries Fund or whatever, Wherever you offer it, it's going to get there to help people to be able to access these teachings and hopefully you know, really reduce the amount of stress and distress and suffering and tension and ill-ease that they may be experiencing. So it's really widely open to you. And um, yeah, just to understand, these, these teachings were meant to be offered freely. That's what they were meant to be. And in these days and times, we also know that they are not always. And for me, that's really sad. You know, when I see big price tags going up in front of 
you know, teacher trainings, and you think, well, if big price tags go up in front of teacher trainings, teachings are going to become exclusive for those who can afford to pay back for all their expensive teacher trainings. And all of my teacher trainings were offered to me freely. You know, and I want to make sure that all of the teachings are offered freely, and it's it's a it's a joy to see that Gaia House is is in tune with that. Um, so I wanted you to know that, and I also just wanted to say it um, because it means a lot to me. Um, and I guess that's you know part of what the, the benefit of having a bit of a platform here to be able to say that stuff. So yeah, I hope it's I hope it's. Uh, no surprise, but I also hope it's happy news, you know, to, for you to know that this is what's what's unfolding. Um, and if you, you know, want to support those who come here, you know, you, you can, and you can go through Guy House's website, guyhouse.co.uk forward slash support dash us, and that will take you to a Dana page, and you can offer support to those who come and share their teachings, and also... Um, Guy House itself and its various funds that support the, the dissemination of these wisdom teachings. And when these wisdom teachings unfold, they unfold into generosity and non-exclusive sharing of what is priceless and in that way beyond, beyond price, beyond money. Okie dokie, on to the next bit of Dharma content. Because I do consider dana a dharma content. It's not a request for your uh, money. It's actually a celebration of our connection. Yeah. And anything that we can do to support to support this makes us all you know, participants. So sometimes I think some people might think that everything is impermanent. Is like what are the most important things to understand about existence, yeah, and that's fine, yeah, and also you know anything that arises passes, really seems to be a truth, and just before I came to this session, more or less somebody um, sent me a message that was kind of saying that, but also saying it with a kind of a question: is is it a truth? <laughs> is it a truth? Because it feels like you see that way and you feel more free. Because we're allowed, we allow ourselves to let it in, let it be, let it pass. And, you know, one of the descriptors of freedom, I think, like how we feel free is that our experience gets more subtle, gets more delicate, gets more delightful in that kind of feeling of freedom. It's like we drop down towards the substrate, you know, the kind of the core of the thing, you know, it's like, oh, we come to our senses, we see reality the way that reality surely is. And that's really interesting that it feels more true. It feels more true. But in that moment before, when we were seeing it a certain other way, when it maybe seemed less dynamic or more solid or more rigid, at that moment, it also seemed true, didn't it? You know, it's like all the time it seems true. It seems true. And then we go, oh, no, but this is true. <laughs> it's like, where's it going to end? At what point is it true that things are permanent or they're not permanent? Or, they, or is there another way of seeing it, which is actually, you know, it's even more true. And I think that this is a real stumbling block uh, for, for, for 
you know, me as one representative of this human species that really wants to know what's true. <laughs> you know, I didn't come here for some, you know, suggestible lies. I really came here for the truth, you know. But is that possible for us? Are we asking for something that we just don't have the possibility to really decide? Yeah, it's really true. So, in a way, I almost feel like, let's just put that aside. That truth claim element of these teachings, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is what this person was recognising and what we can recognise is, when I look at it that way, it brings a sense of freedom. And with that freedom, everything that it means to be more free. To be able to let in, let be, let go. To be able to feel nourished more by experience. To feel less entangled in my existence. To be less inclined to unkindness and more inclined to kindness. All of that, you're barely here for a moment. Why would I be mean to you? <laughs> you know? You're barely here for a moment. Why am I wasting my time judging you? Well, maybe there's something I can learn from you. There's some question I can ask you. There's some opportunity being wasted. Yeah. And yet, there it is. You know, if something arises, it will pass. Noth- nothing seems to have not had that nature. Yeah. But then we kind of extend and say, oh, everything passes, everything passes. And then it's not got that same richness. Yeah? So, oh, your knee hurts. Yeah, it will pass. <laughs> yeah, it will pass. True. But is it useful to see it that way? Or is it more helpful in that moment for me to say, oh, how does it feel? Or, oh, I, I have some lotion that might do something for that. Or it's like, you know... Do you want a massage or, you know, does it hurt when you do this? Maybe you could do that, you know. Would you like a hot water bottle? I don't know. It's like we offer our care and our consideration. And in that instance, that would be the more appropriate next step, yeah? I sometimes think of equanimity kind of as being the fourth Brahma Vihara. First, we have kindness, we have friendliness, we have connection. Next... We have compassion, because it might be suffering, it might be painful, it might be distressing. If it's not, well, appreciation, would that be a good approach? Appreciative joy, you know, congratulations, I'm glad that, you know, some parts of you are doing well, or whatever it else is. And then eventually we get to acceptance, tolerance, patience, flexibility, you know, whatever we use as the everyday meaning of of equanimity for us, yeah. Same thing there. I wonder if we jump in with a Nietzsche, when really it was an invitation to compassion. Or we jump in with a Nietzsche, when really it was actually a moment for appreciation. Now, you know, it's it's useful due to its appropriateness. It's useful due to its appropriateness. It brings freedom because it's the right response at that moment. Not because it's true for every person at every moment all the time. Yeah? Might be might be the most useful thing is not to see it's a nature at all. Take it really seriously. Yeah. You know, if we if, if somebody said to you, I'm really I'm really, really concerned about the state of the planet. Yeah, or I'm really, really concerned about, you know, inequality. 
I'm really, really concerned about you know gender rights, and you just turn to them and say, this too will pass. You know? <laughs> well, if you don't get a slap, you know, I mean, you know you deserved it. Or you were joking, you know, and they say, okay, all kidding aside, of course we don't think that. Of course we don't all think that. That's not what we, you know, whoever we are, Buddhists or practitioners or meditators or beings that care, think. So we know it's timely. You know, we know it's meant to be timely. We know it's meant to be useful. It's one way among many ways to meet our experience. Yeah. And a Nietzsche is called an insightful way of looking. And by their definition, or by the definition of someone like Rob Bear, who went to the trouble of giving a really good, easy-to-use definition, insights, and insights can come from anywhere. They can come from teachings, they can come from your own wisdom, understandings. When an insight is there, it comes with a feeling of freedom. Yeah? When it comes, it's like, oh, it's all... I was taking it so seriously. I was thinking it was going to last forever in that particular way. And I see that, and it's an insight, and it brings a sense of freedom. Insights are also ways of looking, cultivated ways of looking at our experience. What happens when I look at it that way? What happens when I look at the breath as dynamic, and not like the in-breath, this event, you know, that happens? And I say, actually, it's this, whoa! It invites the subtilization of attention. The subtilization, if that's a word that everyone's happy with, more delicate, um, more refined, more sensitive uh, connection with the sensations that are unfolding, there's a sense of well-being there. What also happens there is there's less of this pushing and pulling, and that kind of activity really builds up a solid sense of the self. So interesting, we bring in this nature, and it makes the experience more delicate, more, 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 more enjoyable. Amazing that it can do that. Amazing that it can do that. Yeah. And it can feel at times what nature is doing all of that. It's doing all this letting go. It's doing all of this letting go. And it's what's most interesting for us isn't again that that's the truth. Yeah, that's actually how things are. It's how things appear to be when we look at them that way. Yeah? It's how things appear to be when we look at them in the way that they are in constant. And for me, that's really fascinating. You know, going back to this point earlier on, before, they appeared to be the way they really were. You know, and they were more solid and rigid, and, and my sense of self was like this. And then I bring in this different way of looking, and once again, they appear to be the way they really are now, but they're different. They are changed by that very way of looking. And for me, that's much more significant than if it were true, because it actually says something much deeper about our experience is that it's deeply affected by the way that we look at it. Yeah? deeply affected by the way that we look at it and that is so much more significant than whether they really are constant or inconstant, permanent or impermanent you know, from their own side right? there's a deeper insight revealed by this way of looking at our experience than simply, ah oh, yeah, everything will pass 
Nice. Everything depends on how we look at it. Everything depends on how we look at it. And we can see it in a Nietzsche, and we can see it in, in everything. And by understanding that, it invites us to be able to then see, ah, this is an invitation to look at experience this way. And later on, you know, the Dharma might give us, give us a suggestion to look at things a different way. Yeah. Like, look at everything as if it's unsatisfactory. And you're like, no, 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 no. You're telling me everything's unsatisfactory. And it's like, no, it's the same as when we were looking at things as being inconstant. We were being invited to look at it this way and see what happens. And having tried out the Anicca way and realized, oh, it made things all kind of more delicate or more dynamic, because we look for something, it becomes that way. Yeah, because that's the way perception works. Yeah. That's why you can look for trouble and find it. Yeah. Get yourself into mischief at times. Yeah. And it's why you can get yourself into freedom. Yeah. And this entangling, disentangling is, is, is all part of it. Yeah. So at times, great, really great, really helpful way of looking. And we can really hold it as if we're looking at it with a conviction, as if it's true. But we can also know in the background, this way of looking is what's impacting experience. Yeah. So we get to see how things arise and pass. And it's not so much that we see that things arise and pass. And we're invited to see what are the conditions at times that are impacting on things that they are not feeling like they arise and pass. And this is something where it's so interesting to see how circular this Dharma is. What stops things appearing to arise and pass? And when we see that things arise and pass, what changes there? And the Buddha talks about it, the second noble truth. When there's dukkha there, what else is there? This gripping, this grasping, this demanding... When there's more demanding, things don't appear to be a Nietzsche. When things don't appear to be a Nietzsche, there's a lot more demanding. Start to kind of play with either one of these, and you start to loosen up and develop freedom. That's really fascinating. So just to kind of go over there again, it's like when things are not seen as a Nietzsche, when things are seen as permanent, what's often there? a lot of grabbing and grasping and trying to do something about that. This has become a big problem, I need to get rid of it. Right? So those two go together. When there's a lot of tanha, a lot of demanding on experience, yeah, there's a lot of that pushing, pulling. And there's a lot of not seeing the impermanence, the inconstancy of things. And our way in is that capacity to change that. There's many ways to change that. And one of them is to bring an insightful way of looking in. Ah, this must be more dynamic than that. And so I can notice there's a tension, a contraction. And, oh, it's like, that. It's like well, it must be more dynamic than that. At times we can bring that in. Yeah. So, one of, the, one of the ways I like to do this practice is around a, kind of a, a correlate teaching of, of 
Vedanas, you know, that we actually project onto things as if they're pleasant or unpleasant or neither nor from their own side. And what occurred to me is that sometimes you can't see that something's um, inconstant. Like I have my little headphone case here. And is it inconstant? <laughs> Every time I pick it up, it looks to be the same. You know, it's getting maybe a little bit indented, a little bit worn, but I'd have to give a lot of attention to this. But I remember the day when I, when I got this, I was like, ah, oh, it's really good. It's like, it's quite squidgy, it's, but it's quite solid and it keeps my headphones um, safe. And, you know, that's going to make them last longer and, less, and end up in, in the waste uh, sooner. You know, so it's kind of, kind of excitement. I like, probably even like the colour. I like black, I like red together, you know, make a nice contrast. And I probably thought, it's great. I'm really going to look after this. And now I don't feel the same way, you know. And, you know, I'm not announcing the end of my relationship with my headphone case, you know, uh, live in the online Dharma Hall. But, you know, it's not always the same. And what changes is our feeling about things. It's, ah, oh, it's really nice. Oh, yeah, it's just, that's just what I use. And then probably at some moment, it's going to become insufficient. <laughs> Me. But I will, I will work on that, you know. I'm not going to buy another one. I'm not going to replace it with something else. I say, oh, yeah, you know. Okay, it changed. And it, because it changes, that's an inconstancy that I can see, yeah, in this relationship with this thing. My relationship with it, which is the most significant thing, I have to be honest, uh, between me and this, this headphone case, the most significant Anicca here is what I think of it. And that is always changing. And that gives us an entranceway into this Anicca but it also brings to light, okay, the way I'm treating this also isn't constant. And that Vedana is the very thing that often builds up you know, into that pushing, pulling, that thirsting, that demanding that the Buddha spoke about in the Second Noble Truth. And so bringing that element of, oh yeah, this is changing. This isn't constant. The way I see this, yeah. And I can't see that it's wearing away. Yeah, that I can see that it's not what it used to be, to me. That opens out something, yeah, opens out something. So, what we can do through noticing that something is inconstant, noticing that something is dynamic, is that we actually playing with the way it appears to us. Yeah? We talk about meditation as being the play of the perception of things. And so it's a way that we can get involved and we can change how things appear. And again, it's this kind of circular dynamic thing is that when I start to see that this thing is inconstant, my preference about it, my, my Vedana, you know, this wanting, not wanting, liking, not liking, nice, it's not nice, pleasant, not unpleasant, that whole realm and all the spaces in between, they start to change. Maybe when I see that it's inconstant, a painful thing actually becomes more tolerable. When I see that it's actually a dynamic of sensations, actually, it's not so much. Maybe it is. Maybe that doesn't make the, the world of difference. When something pleasant is coming through, like a delicious meal, and I say, this is inconstant, this very mouthful, 
of apparently, you know, delightful taste sensations are actually little explosions of flavour, different things. And actually that Nietzsche lens, that inconstancy, it really brings that alive. Because the most likely thing that will happen is like, that's nice, I'm enjoying this. We must have this again sometime. And there's, there's a drop in our connection with that experience. So again, what's the Nietzsche useful for? It's useful for bringing things to their dynamics, bringing things to our sensitivity, bringing us to our senses and encouraging that sensitivity to flow through us. And when that happens, there can be more of a sense of freedom. Yeah. But I don't think it's what steps us out of delusion. Yeah. I think we just go from one level of seeing things illusory and we see them in a different way. They're still dependent on something. So is this really the way they are? Or is this how they are when we look this way? And at the end, maybe that's what we can say. There are no independent truths. But when we look this way, it appears this way. Seeing a Nietzsche, in some way, it seems to be noticing a Nietzsche. But it could be more accurate to say it's a frequency among the various ways of looking at life that attunes us to the nature of things and amplifies that dimension of their existence. But that insight, that opens up our rich possibility to let it in, let it be here, and let it go. And in that way, things can become less problematic, yeah. And hopefully we also can see that that opens out our capacity for a more appropriate response, which might well be compassion, yeah, maybe care. So I hope that that enriches your interest in a Nietzsche practice and you know, allows a Nietzsche as a practice to be more dynamic, maybe, than we used to think it was. And if that's so, then that's, that's lovely. So we have a bit of time still. Are there any questions or reflections um, from your side that you'd like to bring in? You can use the chat or feel free to unmute. Uh, be happy to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. So there's kind of um, two elements, and maybe the bigger one is is about you know um, impermanence. But the f- the first part, just to kind of mention, if you find any practices at any time helpful, then just keep doing them. So if you find something like you know paying attention for three breaths, actually um, helps us to understand what it means to really kind of pay attention and then also helps us to understand what it's like to really rest back, then, yeah, keep doing that. Keep, keep bringing that to, to bear in your practice. Um, 
And at a certain point, it might become clear. It's like, you know, what would be really good would be to do 10 breaths or seven breaths or five breaths. And it's like, try it, try it out. Um, at the moment, there's some people here who are, who are participating in a course that, that um, I'm running and, you know, and some point in the future will be more kind of publicly available for people to run through again called Fulfilling Intentions. And there we're practicing and trying to notice what of all those variable things, like you mentioned, you know, should I have my eyes open? Should I have my eyes closed? You know, should I practice after I've done my yoga? Should I practice in this posture or that posture? And it's like getting it down to the bare essentials. And we start to record what helped me reduce the amount of hindrances that I was experiencing. Yeah. Did it, did it help that I had my eyes open? Because, well, firstly, did you notice how you were? Right, so the first step in all practices like gom, become familiar with your lived experience. And gom is the Tibetan word that they use for meditation, which is like get familiar. And then at the end, have another gom. Yeah, get familiar with that. Well, okay, I did that and it, and it turned out to be that. And I can see some people are writing things down. I would recommend just gently keeping a record of how your practice is going. You know, it's such a helpful little thing. But I don't want to go too far into the material of the course there. And I actually want to kind of address the, the, um, um, this, this. Firstly, you know, what's the best translation for the word Anicca? And I don't think it's impermanence. When I heard impermanence, it made me think about things that are here for a while and later on are not. That's kind of how I hear the word impermanence. That's how it sits for me within my inner dictionary, so to speak. Yeah. The word inconstant says to me, even when this thing is here, it's not here being a thing that you can say anything clearly about because it's actually a vibration, a ripple, a change. It has an intensity. It has a lightness. I have a pain in my knee and I say, there is a pain in my knee and it was here yesterday and I'm really worried it's going to be here for the rest of my life. And you might say, well, it's impermanent. And I'm like, well, it was here yesterday and I'm worried about it being here for the rest of my life. I never said it was going to be here for the end of time. I just said, I'm really worried about it being here all the time. You know, all the time while I'm around, I don't care if it doesn't live forever. You know, your impermanence point doesn't help me. It doesn't bring me more freedom. But then if someone says to you, is it always the same? You're like, what? Is, that, is it always the same? Is it always the same intensity? Is it always in the same location? Where is it exactly? You know, we can start asking these questions. We've changed our way of relating to it. So, oh, I have, I haven't, I've never really checked. Where is it exactly? Well, it is, well, where's the edge of it then? Where's the edge of it? Is like, oh, well, the edge is there. And the edge, is it always the, in the same place or is it some, does it sometimes move? You know, what about the bit just beyond the edge? How's that? Is that, is it... Does it have movement of these kind of things? We're really changing our relationship. And the interesting thing around something like a pain is that there is a sense of it being a thing and that sense of it being a thing is actually part of our psychological relationship to the pain. And what we typically feel is the aversion to the pain before we actually feel the pain. And when that aversion drops out because we're actually investigating, it's like, well, where is it? Is it up or is it down? Is it... Is it moving this way? Is it here and there? And it's like the aversion is dropping out of that relationship and the interest is coming in in its place because you can't have both at the same time. So for me, I would say the same thing about the climate crisis. 
The climate crisis is also a dynamic. It doesn't always feel the same to me every day. And it's very likely not the same situation every day. And when we start to investigate it that way, we might be able to more easily discover what is there within this that I can relate to in a more skillful and beautiful way. Because the fact that it's not going to last forever doesn't do anything for me. But the fact that it's a dynamic, something I can get to know, something I can become more familiar with, uh, that kind of opens out a freedom teaching. And yeah, so I would look into people who are teaching uh, in constancy more than I would look into people who are teaching in permanence for something so that it can apply outwardly into our into our life. Um, so, uh, sorry, I didn't catch that. Um, Tenisaro Bhikkhu. Check out, check out something he's written um, around Anicca and inconstancy. See if that resonates with you. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, time for another. I, I really think it is a good, it's a good link to see that basically um, all of these teachings could be seen as ways of lessening our reactivity um, and allowing for more kindness to come through. Uh, a friend of mine um, and uh, teacher, uh, Donald Rothberg, has, um, he, he and I actually both enjoy translating dukkha as reactivity. I wonder if more accurately, tanha is the reactivity and dukkha is the stress and distress and contraction that comes from that reactivity. But either way, you don't have dukkha without tanha, you don't have tanha without dukkha, so it's, it's still a legitimate translation. Um, I think etymologically, etymologically uh, you know, like the, the root of the words, it probably has more to do with reactivity. Um, and dukkha has more to do with the ease <laughs> that comes about when that reactivity is happening. But either way, yeah, I would say that's really important to, to recognize as a, an opening in the possibility space of our experience. When we see with more anicca, or when we see that, you know, my moods and my emotions, my opinions will change. They feel like they won't. But I look at it that way and I say, oh yeah, it will. But take care. Take care with this. Because if we use that to then say, well, you know, I believe this now and I feel very strongly about it now, but later I won't. Then if we bring that towards important things, and it is important to say things, and sometimes it's important to allow ourselves how to say it, but like not to always have to be kind, yeah? Not to be unkind, but not to have to fulfill that image of what is kind. Sometimes a strong word, a strong no, a strong, that's not okay with me, you know, is an act of kindness in the, in the bigger sense, you know? And what we're talking about, you know, the bigger issues of, of our lives and our existence, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, I forgive all oil barons and, you know, I forgive all corrupt politicians and I, you know, they need my love and understanding. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no, In in a big sense they do, but maybe in a direct sense they just need a little, you know, come on, come on, what are you doing? (laughs) This isn't, this isn't fair, this isn't right. So, you know, um, we just need to be need to be sensitive and alert around all of that. Yeah.
which I didn't think you weren't being, but I just wanted to name that as you know maybe my maybe my last last point of this session. But um, yeah, I don't want to cram anybody, and if there's more that wants to kind of come through, I'm I'm happy for for another question reflection at this time. And if not, then yeah, thank you everyone for being here. And I'm sure my neighbour below apologises for any disturbance from that excitingly brilliant uh, drama they were watching, and um, they didn't know you were you were trying to enjoy some silence. And thank you for being here. Thank you for your support in your presence. I didn't really mention that in the dana that you know it's so such a gift that you all bring to yourselves and to others and I hope outwardly again into the world from what we what we see here. You know, may our practice be a deep support to each one of us here and for everyone that we meet. So, thank you. Bless you. Take care and feel free to unmute uh, before leaving if you wish to bring your voice into the space here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.